Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Thank you. <laughs> Who's out there? Um, my name's Dan. I am 29. Uh, you may know my wife, Rachel. She shared part one in the series. Um, she was amazing. Then we had two more incredible people. We had Jana and then we had the Mr. Colin last week and he did an incredible job. Um, so I'm stoked to be able to share a bit of my story tonight. Now, if you're watching from home online, welcome. Take a seat. You probably already are, but enjoy yourself. Grab some snacks. Now, um, I am always hesitant to share my testimony. Um, you probably want a bit of context why. Well, back in the day, um, when I was interning with Pastor Ben and Emma, we got uh, taken out to this conference in Port Macquarie. Now, this was like a, a leadership um, uh, conference where, you know, all of the leaders over Australia would come and, and hang out for a couple of days and we'd have worship and, you know, that kind of thing. And so as, a, as an intern, I got to help volunteer. Now, I was supposed to help stack chairs, but last minute they picked me up and they got me driving all the pastors around to their hotels, which was like kind of a cool opportunity. Then they gave me a mum van, which was awesome. And so I got to take a whole bunch of people, get to hang out with pastors for a couple of days. It was amazing. But in that time, um, there was two families that I spent the most time with. Uh, one of them is called uh, the Bartlett's. You may remember Paul Bartlett from probably two, last year or a year before. Uh, and then another family uh, called the Julianos. Now, the Julianos, um, amazing couple in Australia, um, for some reason, they didn't get my dry sense of humour. And I'll kind of explain why. So we were sitting in the van. They started chatting to me and asking me questions, things like, what's your story? Where did you grow up? What, what city do you live in? And I told them, well, I'm from Canberra. And they're like, so how'd you get this job, like, driving us around? I was like, well, it's not a job. But they kind of just, like, picked me off, up, off the street last minute. And as the conversation carried on, um, John and Anne were seemingly more confused or something. They said some really strange questions. They're like, gee, Canberra gets cold in the winter. That must be tough. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess. Like, it's probably not as bad as Edmonton. But they kept saying all these weird comments. And I remember opening the door for Anne and letting her out, and she looks at me with the most genuine heart. She's like, wow, I'm sure you have an incredible story. And I'm like, what just happened? I'm like, what do you mean to have an incredible story? Like, getting picked up off the street. Wait, picked up off the street. She thought that I'd literally been picked up off the street to drive the car. I told Ben and Emma. Ben made memes. There was a meme that got circulated around the conference. From the streets, God calls all. And it was a photo of me. Um, but I had to fix it, and I... Anyway, picked up Anne and John, and I, I drove them home, and as Anne's getting out, I, I sort of explained the whole story. I'm actually a street kid from Canberra, lovely family. And with the same genuine look in her face as when she first said, what an amazing story I must have, she said, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I, I was looking forward to hearing your testimony. <laughs> oh. Okay, cool. So my childhood, uh, zero Christian influence at all, um, all it was was like a plethora of board games like Mousetrap. You probably remember Mousetrap and Scrabble. 
Yeah, so good. Big puzzles on our family table that would take up um, it for months, like it would make its home up there and we would never get to eat dinner. We'd be eating off the floor. Um, singing in the back seat on car trips, thought I had an amazing voice. Um, front flips on mattresses, front, front flips off mattresses to Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, I was not a Disney kid. I was a WWE kid. Any Rey Mysterio fans? Nope, okay, cool. Uh, I was going to say another joke, but that's fine. I was going to be like, any John Cena fans? That's, and then I'd be like, I can see you. Anyway. Jackie Chan movies, Spy Kids. Like, come on. Yeah, so good. I was even thinking about the pinball game that used to play on your old, like, Windows 98. Like, so good. Um, I used to dress up as superheroes. Like, I was the real deal. And I had a temper. Man, I had a temper that could escalate from zero to my school trumpet through my front bedroom door in two seconds flat. True story. Didn't want to brush my teeth. Uh, I had to... <laughs> the closest thing to spirituality is I had to teach myself to pray one time. My parents let me watch the X-Files. Bad idea. And to this day, whenever I hear the music, I, I switch off and I get totally freaked out. So this was my prayer as a, like a six-year-old, seven-year-old. And, and no Christian background, right before I went to bed. God, Batman, Robin, protect me. <laughs> and, then, and, then I, and, then I, and then I had a caveat, the best chosen ones. And if I get to be anyone in the dream, make me Robin. So um, the, the closest thing, like I said, spirituality was like my grandma had a pack of tarot cards that we used to do readings over each other. Um, I had a conversation with some kids on the street about heaven one time. One of the kids I'd thrown a rock at in the head just because I wanted to see what would happen. Uh, I was really good at making friends, especially my teachers at my school. Now, elementary, man, elementary school added a few notches to my insecurity belt. Wow. Um, I, I was the only millennial to ever not get an achievement award. Everyone submitted a writing, everyone submitted uh, in like a, a writing competition. Everyone got an achievement award or like an effort award except for me. <laughs> so sad. Grade six, that was a tough year. Grade six, um, we had a dance competition at the school. It was like one of those ones where you get all the grade fives and six together. It's called Wacky Curie. Do you remember that? Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, Andrew grew up in the same city as me. Um, and what you would do is you'd get, like, your best students together and they would do this performance in front of all the parents of Canberra. And I don't know how it, the voting worked, but pretty much our idea was to um, do, like, a mashup between Steve Irwin and The Ugly Duckling. Now, you're probably thinking I auditioned for The Ugly Duckling. I did not. How dare you? I auditioned for Steve Irwin. It was awesome. Um, I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be valued by people. And I wanted to stand out. So naturally, prepared my audition... My audition, literally, like I practiced so many times. I, I pretend, no. <laughs> I had like paper that I pretended it was like crocodiles and I was like wrestling with it on the floor. And so the next week they gathered everyone who auditioned and they announced who Steve Irwin was. Yep. I got it. I, I, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'd be live on stage in front of all of Canberra, all the parents. But instead, a few days later, it actually got stripped of me. And it wasn't a doping scandal, I can promise you. Uh, 
but there was actually political reasons at the school because they wanted to allow for more students to participate. And so I was livid, I cried so hard, and yeah, there's that notch. Um, to make matters worse, a few days later, I kid you not, I was standing in the classroom and I was in front of everyone. We had a few other like students there with us, like from other classes. And I don't know what I was doing, but I was standing in the middle of the room and this kid runs up to me. I didn't notice it. Dacked. <laughs> Pantsed. So you know what I did? That fiery spirit within me riled up and I chased him down and I beat him up. Except he was laughing still because I still hadn't pulled up my pants. <laughs> so I was known for a lot of reasons around the school. In fact, the next day, this girl came up to me and goes, did you, did you cry when you got dacked? I was like, no. I did. I cried so hard. Um, I don't know why I put this note in, but I went to, I went to my grade six formal as a wizard. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. <laughs> So funny. Um, okay. High school. High school is a place where some boys become men and other boys just grow weird beards. And I didn't grow a weird beard, I just grew a mullet. And while my grandmother said, like, you're so handsome, my peers didn't actually agree. Um, they, uh, this is where it gets deep. I actually got, like, beat up and I got insulted. And there was, a huge element of bullying in my first year of grade seven. My sense of worth dropped enormously. I'd never felt more unseen by people. Um, it was like that first year I'd experienced that full dose of what it means to feel hopeless and without any sense of purpose. My grades dropped. Mum was fully concerned. Of course you would be as a mum. My mum was amazing and I'd Wish I treated her better as a kid, but now I've got now. So I'm still a kid, which is good. Um, uh, and I was unable to share with her what was really going on. There wasn't a support network at the school. I, I didn't know. How do you talk about that stuff? Like, I was trapped within my own mind. Like, did people actually see my struggle? Did people see me? Like, how do you communicate that when the whole world seems like it's crashing in around you? And honestly, I actually began to despise and hate myself. Um, I felt imprisoned to this allotment in life which I'd been given, and I felt like I'd been given unfairly. So I decided to retire from school and carry out the rest of my year mining iron ore and crafting swords and weaponry. Now, it sounds like a turning point in my story, but what if I told you that was all in the, the three-dimensional walls of RuneScape, an online video game? But the sad thing was is that gave me more sense of purpose, level 99 fishing, um, than the reality did. There was nothing in reality that actually offered any kind of purpose to me. Months of pre pretending to be sick at school to dodge, uh, pretending to be sick at home to dodge school, uh, became a regular, immersing myself in a world that seemed to carry more purpose in reality. Um, and then one day it all came to a head. I was at home and mum and I had just had a fight and she's walking out the gate and there's tears again. Um, obviously there's lots of tears with me early on. Uh, yelling, holes in doors and I was like, mum, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you what's going on. And 
I'd hidden and like buried this turmoil within me for such a long time. The bullying, the lack of concern from staff, um, and our, our idea was maybe to move schools, which, like, that makes sense. Like, you move to the school with where your friends from elementary school, you know, and you grew up with and you hung out with. Um, granted, I didn't have that many from elementary school, but I thought it might help. But the problem was I was still me. I was still trapped. That although I moved location, it didn't change what was going on in my mind and in my heart. Sadly, grade eight was not much better, uh, arguably worse. All the friends I'd moved to be with were actually devastatingly patronizing of me and tore me down in, with words, not just fists anymore. It was like a war in my mind. And I went to some pretty dark places. Um, yeah, I remember there were moments where, I'm just being vulnerable here, but I would stand in front of my mirror and tell myself how worthless I was. And of course it was my fault. That was my thought. Of course it was my fault. Grade 9 and 10, they were write-offs. Um, they didn't do much for me other than add more ammunition to the, the chamber of apathy and self-hatred. Um, teenage relationships will do that, for sure. Um, it's funny, my parents are still together despite not having a glamorous proposal. In fact, I think one of the, the issues that we face in the world right now is that the millennial culture intends to invest more money, more time, more interest in the engagement and the wedding than the marriage. And I know that God's flipping that on his head. I know that that's what he wants us as, as Christians to carry. And so I wanted to get married, but I realized if my anchor wasn't in Christ... Well, I mean, I didn't know Christ at that time, but if I, like, there was nothing anchoring it. Like, I genuinely wanted to be married, but there was this fear. Like, what if it doesn't work out? Otherworldly desires. C.S. Lewis, great guy, didn't know him personally, but said some pretty cool stuff. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I went through a pubescent crisis, and not your traditional pubescent crisis. Um, and maybe it was a combination of God beginning to stir something within me, or maybe my deep fear of the X-Files music. But <laughs> there was a desire to find meaning beyond this world, and I was looking in some really weird places, um, out-of-body experiences. Not me, but other, like study, looking into that for other people. Universe exploration, the supernatural. I read stories of people who were convinced they transcended from this world. And I was just genuinely interested in the spiritual nature of the universe. Such a fascinating thing that we just don't talk about. I love what you said last week, Colin, about it's not something that you're taught. Like spirituality is not something that you're equipped to deal with. It's just something that's dealt to you and you've got to figure it out yourself. Um at least in the West anyway. I was intrigued by the spiritual nature of the universe. I studied religion. I studied history, um, mainly on the internet. So, you know, it's a, always a credible source. Uh, and I found that I didn't get more answers. I just got more hopeless and more questions. To be honest, I'm not surprised my parents had mentioned spirituality at home. Uh, it can be quite wearying on the soul to do that kind of searching. We're not built for it. We like to think we are, but we're not. You think about the greatest minds in the world, some of those people who have studied to the extents of the earth, and you look at them, and they're wearied from the knowledge they have. In fact, it's funny. No, I'll talk about that later. 
Many carry the burden of knowing so much yet having no answers. So, grade 12, bit of a shift. It was the first day of grade 12 and all the grade 11s arrived. Ah, yes, the perfect combination of people and another chance at teenage heartbreak. Um, and so I, I, I you know, I, I spent the next few weeks awkwardly trying to meet a handful of the new students. Uh, most of them I'd known from my previous school. Uh, and one of the students, I noticed, she seemed different. Not like, a like not your traditional different, not different like you go to the grade six formal wearing a wizard costume. But there was something within her which seemed different. And talk got around, she's actually, she was a Christian, like a fully-fledged, Jesus-loving, arm-flapping Christian. Like, they were real. Like, they existed. I hadn't met one. Um, so completely unaware of, like, any sort of Christian values that she might hold, I tried to get myself involved in her life. And um, I did a terrible job of it, like, really bad. Like, I was overt. Like, it was awkward for everyone involved. And those who weren't involved, probably even more so. Um, and she clearly didn't reciprocate. But I was just unaware that there were deeper things at the heart of the matter. And I proceeded to talk and message and try and hang out with and, um, you know, walk home with her and have lunch in the same area. And then one day I built up the, com the courage to invite her for coffee. This is what she said. My sister's having din dinner with us next weekend. Both of us fully aware that that answer doesn't negate the fact we could go for coffee, but we also knew that we're not going for coffee. <laughs> um, after many more months and feeble attempts at trying to uh, get her to go for coffee, she finally conceded. Um, also, I thought, frozen yogurt. It's like vanilla with a side of... Um, I'm not that into you. Um, and we had the talk, you know, the one where... Uh, the, the non-Christian guy and the Christian guy have a conversation about um, where she explains her Christian virtue in upholding a lifestyle that would not entertain the idea of dating anyone who wasn't a Christian. It made zero sense to me like, at all. Like, that's stupid. Why, like, why would you subscribe to a religion or something like that that would hinder you from exploring the, the vastness of the universe, experiencing every single kind of pleasure under the sun and, and every kind of, um, you know, thought palace you could enter. Like, why would you want to be hindered by that? So, in an attempt to kind of break her, uh, I had some loopholes in her argument. This was one of them. My mum went to a Lutheran school. <laughs> Come on, mum. Doing it for your son. The other one. My dad's parents grew up in the Church of England. If I was to debunk her logic, it was definitely with this. Again, steadfast in her convic conviction, she refused. She's like, it's not like that. You don't get it. I'm like, what do you mean? She said this. Christianity is more than just going to church or where your family went to school. Okay? My brain's still not getting the idea. I felt like it couldn't compute, like, the information coming in. It was like this simplicity about it, but the complexity of my mind couldn't comprehend. And it just came back out in frustration and fear. Like... It's like these thoughts in my head. Have you heard what the world says about Christianity? It's just a bunch of people going to church together with a ridiculous set of obligations and you just die unhappy of never experiencing every single facet of the human experience. Wow, 18 years old. What a profound statement. But King Solomon, 
King Solomon we read about um, in, in Ecclesiastes is actually the wisest man to exist. And if the human experience was a destination, he'd explored all four corners of it. He said this, I communed with my heart saying, look, I have attained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this is also grasping for the wind, for much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow, which is why you see I mentioned it earlier. Once you've explored the expanses of your life, you actually realize how unhappy you are. The pursuit of happiness is a vain pursuit that lies to us. It'll convince you that you'll discover your identity and freedom in the vastness of experience. The pursuit of happiness is actually the pursuit of unhappiness. Often we pursue the things of God, uh, but not the source of those very virtues. Society will chase down things like, like equality and justice, never realizing they're actually hollow pursuits without Christ at the center. Humanity does not possess the strength It does not possess the ability to uphold Christian virtue without Christ at their bookend. So, I find myself entangled in infatuation and attempting to rationalize with her conviction. And while it may have just been easy to concede and just go to church for the sake of my internal integrity and probably more so true my pride, I couldn't do that. Um, And so for weeks there was this head clashing, head butting, like there was nothing from it. And that was until I realized something very truly important about the Christian faith. Um, We have this thing in Canberra, uh, and we did it, it's called going for a walk, Um, but specifically around a lake. If you're Canberran, if you find a lake, you're going to walk around it. That's what we did. (laughs) What do you mean God talks to you? That's what she said to me. That's what I said to her in response. God speaks to her. What are you talking about? The complete ridiculousness of that statement actually caught me off guard. Aliens, um, spaceships, transcending out of your body. That's permissible. Spontaneous combustion, that's fine, that's all good. But a God who wants relationship with his people, that's impossible. Stephen King called, he wants his plot back. There is no chance, there is no chance on earth that that's a thing. I talk to him and he talks back like a friend. Literal chills from head to toe, like... That moment was so profound for me, a friend, a God who wants to be like a friend. Everything in my life shifted at the moment, at that moment. Someone who sees me, someone who knows me, someone who understands me, who would fight for me and who'd restore purpose to me. Perspective is such a powerful thing. God left the realm in my mind of a concept, of a philosophy, of, of a vain pursuit, and he became a person. If the creator of the universe has time for me, then how much purpose? What is my identity? Who am I? What kind of hope is this? 
A few days later, I'd be back at the same frozen yogurt store where we had this first conversation, sitting in that same booth of rejection, but it was different. This time, my questioning was no longer chasing of the wind. It was no longer trying to fulfill my, fill my head with knowledge and understanding, but it was now in pursuit of a saviour, a connection to Heavenly Father. This was my chance to unload all my difficult questions onto one person, another guy, another Christian. How does resurrection work? What is creation? How does evolution work? How does the world turn on, on all these axes if God is at the centre of it? Explain this to me. I tell you what, that guy, he explained it so beautifully. And I remember physically feeling this like sensation not dissimilar to like the sun touching your skin for the first time in the morning. And, and it, but it, it like got into your spirit. Something woke up within me. It was the Holy Spirit moving. He was doing something within me. I hadn't said yes to Jesus at this point, but I knew that there was something else. Um, do you want to strum away, Colin? I gave you no, no uh, notice. But in this moment, I was so overwhelmed by peace and excitement that everything had shifted in my life. Like, it wasn't even, I didn't go to church and put my hand up. Like, yes, there was that moment, and I said yes to Jesus. But it wasn't about that then and there. It was the fact that a person... God himself, a father, came down and knelt down to his son. And he said, actually, you've been pursuing all these things, but you don't realize I've just been pursuing you. And I had, I have a couple of things that God, God did. Um, and I remember just reflecting and, and a few ways that God had actually intervened in my life when I didn't know him, but he was making himself known to me. Number one. Um, my grade 10 teacher, uh, I ran into him at a conference years ago and we sat down and, and spoke and it was a Christian conference. I didn't know he was a Christian. But then he reminded me on the last day of school, he shared his, his, his faith with the, with the school, which you're probably not supposed to do. But he did it in bold. He witnessed to the class. Um, this one's funny. The same grandma who used to like deal with the tarot cards. Um, she told me, my mom told me a while back that when I was very young, even though my grandma would never call herself a Christian or have any faith of sorts, she would pray to God for protection over our family. And then the final one, when I was singing out ballads in the car, I was actually singing out scripture over my family and myself. Like, oh, okay, that's weird. Like, surely your parents would turn off the, the music if they disagree with it. But there's this guy called Colin Buchanan. Um, he's a, a, a children's singer-songwriter. And little did I know, I was actually speaking out scripture about Moses um, in the form of song. He was a Christian artist that put scriptural stories in his music. We have a simple gospel Man, that's awesome. Um, can I encourage you? Don't hold back from not knowing enough about it. 
It's, you don't need to have all the right words. Sometimes we forget that God is actually wanting to invade other people's lives. We get to be a conduit for that. We get to be a catalyst for that. When we share our word, we know that we partner it with his breath. Your conviction for Christ will stand out when, the remaining, when remaining steadfast in it. And the cost of passing on your conviction is a loss of credibility within your word. This girl who told me about Christ, I took her at her word because she took God at his and she lived it out and she spoke it out. There was a partnership between her actions and her words. It's a thing called moral integrity. You think about it, someone like, I can't think of her name, Mother Teresa. She speaks about helping people in need in poverty. You say, wow, your life lines up with that. That's powerful. Someone who's remained pure through their life in whatever form that might look to you, purity, and they speak into that, they have a moral authority to speak into that. When someone speaks that has a moral authority, you sit down and you listen because their words are so entwined with their experience. They line up. That's what God's asked us to be. He says, live your life as a living sacrifice, right? And so because she didn't back away from my questioning and at times couldn't always give me adequate answers to my most difficult my heart was turned. The cross and the idea of Jesus was no longer a foul stench, but became a sweet fragrance. Revelations 12, 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus Christ is our freedom. And our story, our witness provides the key to unlock lives that have been imprisoned, to wrong thinking, to fear, to worry, to anxiety. It's our story that we get to share. We get to bear witness of what he's done in our lives, what we've been freed from, so others may also experience this freedom. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray. Father God, right now, as we're all here, God, will you just use us? May we be your witnesses unto the ends of the earth, Lord God. Father, we just pray right now for every heart in this space, Lord God. Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you breathe? Will you move, Lord God? Will you bring lives out of darkness and into light through us, Lord God? Will you see where you've positioned us with influence and opportunity to share your word, to be your vessel, to be your witnesses, God, send us. Lord, we give everything we are to you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.